0: Can we really receive justification by faith alone? Hello there, it's Andrew here. We're just running into a new episode of God's Courtroom Home Bible Study in Romans chapter 1 to 5. And this is podcast number uh, 5 of 6. Our session was a Monday night. We enjoyed our time together and we're looking at Romans chapter 4 today. Chapter 4 from verse number 1 verse number 25. We're looking at the principle of faith in a bit more detail today. Um, Just by way of introduction I'll say a few things uh, but before we do that and before we get into the text we'll just commit ourselves to God in prayer. Father we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus and we thank you for this wonderful uh, fact that the gospel is firmly rooted in the Old Testament we thank you that it's not some message that is completely disconnected from the revelation that you gave previous to it. We thank you for a God who was to be trusted in the Old Testament, uh, for our righteousness that was to be found even in the Old Testament, the Lord, our righteousness. And we thank you now that we can uh, delve more deeply into this and see how the cross has deepened our understanding of you and, and filled out. Um, your way of salvation in a wonderful way and so father we just commit ourselves uh, to you we pray for help to understand this chapter better we pray that this podcast will be a blessing to everyone who listens in the lord's name amen well thank you thank you for joining Andrew here um, uh, as we look at this podcast together so Romans chapter 4 uh, verse 1 to 25 and we're looking at the principle of faith Uh, One of the great uh, watchwords of the Reformation was faith alone. It was faith alone in Christ alone. Of course, it was grace alone that uh, supplied salvation. It it was Christ alone uh, through his death on the cross who won salvation. Uh, It is faith alone that helps us receive salvation. And of course, it's all for the glory of God uh, alone and it's all based on On the truth that's found alone in the scriptures. So that's the five solas of the Reformation. Uh, Just as we dig into that in a little bit more detail, and particularly in Romans chapter 4, and moving away from historical uh, dealings but to the biblical text itself, we're going to see whether that holds up and stacks up with the Bible. Uh, We've already looked at that in Romans chapter 3, and now he's going to unpack it in more detail in chapter 4 so in our journeys through the roman letter so far we have understood that man has no righteousness of himself he's under condemnation that's really the whole point of the first three chapters up to verse number 20 Uh, man has no righteousness of himself but now in verse 21 right to the end 31 of chapter 3 we find out that even though uh, mankind does not have a righteousness of himself no right standing before god uh, yet yet God is willing to impute righteousness and he can do it because of the, the righteous satisfaction he found in the propitiatory work of Christ on the cross. When Christ died, uh, he was the great mercy seat. He was the great propitiatory. He was the, the meeting place between God and men, the, the righteous satisfaction through his sacrifice that brings God to the table, as it were, and, and mankind, it opens a way for man to be back right with God. But the other side of that, um, equation is that the way we approach that mercy seat is by faith, as we uh, read in, in Romans chapter um, 3 and verse number 24 through 26. It's by faith. It's by the faith uh, of Jesus Christ or faith in Jesus Christ, uh, depending on the translation you're reading. And this is something that he lists further down in Romans 3 and 28. He's, Paul claims that we hold Um, or the New King James would say we conclude, that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. The thoughtful Jewish person uh, might say, as he's often often sort of in in Paul's mind in the background, how do you know this for sure? After all, God gave us the Old Testament scriptures, the oracles of God. You told us right at the start of this chapter, uh, Paul, you, you told us that that to the Jew was committed the oracles of God. Can we find any trace of this idea of justification by faith in the Old Testament scriptures, in the history of the Jewish nation? So Paul turns his attention to this great illustration of justification uh, in the Old Testament, and it's the life of Abraham. Um, so if you can imagine Paul there, he's interacting with a, a Jewish person who's interested perhaps, but has... Questions in the in the synagogue, uh, and Paul asked the question: Was was Abraham our forefather not reckoned righteous? Was he not justified? A uh, Jew might say, "Well, well, yes." It says that some somewhere in the in the Torah. Paul says, well, "So do you take the Old Testament as inspired by God and true?" Well, well, of course the Jew, Well, then let's examine Abraham. Paul would say, and his justification. Then we will see if we are reckoned righteous. By faith or by some other principle or by a combination of principles. Um, And so the Jew might say, yes, let's do that. So that really introduces us to chapter 4 of uh, the Romans. Paul is going to conclusively prove to the Jew that justification, that is our right standing before God, let's be clear, it's not that justification infuses us with righteousness. It's not that it makes us righteous in the sense of, that we are, you know, somehow made holy in our life because of, 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 justification. That's not the point. Justification has to do with our legal standing before God. It's the fact that God uh, regards us as righteous. He, he, he. It's it's not so much righteousness infused, but righteousness imparted, uh, put to our account. That's Romans chapter four, as we'll see. Just a. A useful division to be made before we get into the text. So the Abraham story is found in Genesis 12 to 25. You might want to go away, read Abraham's story, especially chapter 15, before we get into the text of this. It'll help you a great lot as you come to this um, chapter. So the Abraham study. Uh, the way I want to break the chapter down is into four little sections. Uh chapter 4, verse 1 to 8, we'll look at faith apart from works. Then in 9 to 12, we look at faith apart from circumcision. Um, And then we'll see in from verse 13 to 18 that we have faith apart from law. And then finally, from 19 to 25, we'll have faith apart from, well, some have said faith apart from sight. More properly, I think, faith in God's promise is really what's emphasised at the end of the chapter. Um, So we'll just crack on and see how we get on through this this lovely passage. So we're continuing our studies in God's righteous answer to the need of man, faith apart from works. Let's read Romans chapter 4 verse 1 to 8. The study uh, is available again, um, it can be downloaded from the Dropbox uh, account that's given on the podcast uh, or can be Uh, obtained from me at and one at yahoo.co.uk. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he's something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, or put to his account for righteousness. his sin. So Paul now introduces Abraham and what he discovered. What, shall we say, was gained by Abraham? What was discovered by Abraham or found by Abraham, many translations have it. He's our forefather according to the flesh. He's speaking as a Jew to the Jews, as a national Jew, as as one who comes from Jewish lineage. Of course, Abraham was the great father of the nation. He was the one that that was at the bedrock of the nation. All their blessings, as it were, flowed out of the fact that God had spoken to Abraham. God had blessed Abraham. God had said that it would be through Abraham blessing would come to his earthly people. Uh, And so here we have Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh. Um, So the question might be asked by the Jew, okay, but was Abraham blessed in this principle of faith? Or was there some other principle at work? For if Abraham was justified by works, he's something to boast about, but that's not true before God, he says. And so he's what he's going to do here is say, Well, as we said at the end of chapter three, if Abraham was justified by doing some kind of good works, some meritorious works, well then he can boast in himself but that's not the case before God. He can't boast in himself. Why? Why, can, why do we know that to be the case? Well, the scripture itself speaks about the subject in Genesis 15 and 6. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, it gives us the underpinning for the thought that Abraham received through simple faith in God, through belief in God, um, for believing God's word, his promise, Abraham received righteousness. Um, righteousness was put to his account. So um, he's going to elaborate on this, but, but maybe just let's stop there. It's not simply that Abraham believed about God. That's not the thought. I mean, that is a what we might term a a necessary condition for blessing. You don't believe what God says unless you believe that he exists. He that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's in Hebrews chapter 11. So, So in a sense, it's a necessary but not sufficient condition for blessing. So it's a good thing to change someone from atheist to theist, to take someone from not believing in God to believing in God in the sense that as a proposition or as a as as an idea or even as a person but not in that sense of a personal relationship so for instance the uh, in james it tells us that the, even the demons believe and and tremble um you know they're not blessed by their belief uh, god doesn't call us just to have faith in god or faith in the lord jesus i e um you believe he existed or that what he said was true or anything like that it's actually resting on the promises of god in christ it's resting on god's character it's it's actually depending on him and so when it says here abraham believed god he he trusted the word of god the promise that had been made go back to genesis uh fifteen and it's made very clear. God made a specific promise to him. Abraham believed in that promise. He believed God. He trusted God's character and this was put to his account for righteousness. In other words, God saw his heart and realized that he was justified. He was right before God. Um and I shouldn't say God realized. He he imputed righteousness to him. Um, He clothed him in righteousness in his sight in that sense. He, he covered his sin. He dealt with his sin. And so we have Abraham justified. Now, the question is, um, how does the works principle fit into this? And why is the gospel not in this principle? Now, to him who does work, his wages aren't counted as a gift, but as his due. Basically, if you go along to work and you work for a week, at the end of the week, you expect to have wages given to you. Now those wages are not a free gift. You have earned them, and therefore you receive them. So So if you work for something, you get wages. A free gift is something that you don't earn. It's something that you you, 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 you don't pay for. It's something that you receive in some other principle. So the principle of works, by its very nature, is opposed. To the idea of God giving the free gift of justification. It's either not a free gift and it's been earned by you, or it's not earned and some other principle is involved and it's given freely. The principle that is involved, we're going to find out, is faith. So faith is linked to a free gift. We'll see how in a while. Um, in contrast, wages are our works are linked to wages. So the question is. To the one who works, are his wages counted as a gift? No, they're not. But as his due, but as his wages. And to the one who doesn't work, but believes, simply trusts, relies on him who's made the promise, the God who justifies the ungodly. He, he relies in the person, the nature, the character of God, the justifier of the ungodly. His faith He's put to his account for righteousness. This is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible that clearly underlines this thought of of believing in in God's character as well as his promise. He's the God who justifies the ungodly. I come to him in that character and immediately I do that, not coming trying to work. I, I set my step away from trying to do any sort of meritorious work for salvation, but simply believe in the one who justifies the ungodly his faith is put to his account as righteousness. Now, having uh, outlined the principle of faith apart from works, he develops it a little bit more, and he uses the the person um, of 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 David, King David, another great man in in Jewish thought. If we have the the whole idea of the Abrahamic covenant of blessing. We also have the Davidic covenant of blessing. If Abraham has to do with the land and the seed and all these kind of things and the blessing that comes through him, not only to the nation, but to the nations, as we'll think in a while. But also we have David, and David was the one who would bring uh, the promise of a, a, a king and a throne forever to the nation of Israel. So the Davidic covenant is brought out in Second Samuel chapter 7. So just as David was speaking of the blessing of the one who God counts righteousness apart from works, so he's saying, like, this is a wonderful, it's a blessed thing. David, David even mentions this blessing. He say, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You say, but where's justification on those two, two verses? Well, it's throughout it, but particularly in the last clause. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Underline that. Justification in the positive is righteousness is put as a count. That's what it says about Abraham. Justification in the negative is the Lord will not count his sin against him. That's really helps us to understand what justification is, both in the positive and in the negative. So f- faith apart from works, you might ask yourself the question: Why? Why really is he in- determined to go back to Abraham and David? Well. I think it's kind of self-evident, um, but these were two of the great stars in the the the, the, the heaven of, of Jewish witnesses, uh, particularly Abraham the forefather and david the the, the 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 beloved king and and if if david and and Abraham both just received as a gift uh, forgiveness and justification. Well then, that's setting a precedent that surely has to come right down to the present day, to the Jew of the present day. So hopefully that helps us to understand the first section, which is faith, is apart from works. As we see in the life of Abraham, and as we see in the life of David, David had no works to bring. He just had to come, and the Lord, um, you know, he was no place to bring anything. He was not only... Uh, undeserving, he was hell deserving. He was he, he was he had sinned grievously. Okay, so faith is apart from works. Let's go on to the next one. Um, faith is apart from circumcision. In Romans chapter four, verse nine to twelve, this is what we read. Is this blessedness, this blessedness that David speaks about? Uh, this blessing. Then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised. After all, David was a circumcised man, wasn't he? Maybe maybe it's only really people like that that come into blessing. We'll think of that in a minute. For we say that faith was counted Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith when he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now I realise a lot um, of uh, of things are going on here. And if you want to go to the very back page of the handout, I've put it in di- diagrammatic form with Abraham and then uh, some of the events of Abraham's life in a kind of order uh, and also um, the later development of the law in an order at the back so that this might make sense in more in a picturesque form, in a, in a, in a diagrammatic form anyway. Okay, so let's look at this. So the question of circumcision will come up with a Jew as well. Not only, okay, so so we can't polish up our own works uh, and make ourselves right with God through our own works, but what about the fact that we're part of the circumcised? God gave that seal. He gave that promise. He, 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 he gave it to Abraham. You're saying Abraham's a man um, who who's justified by faith without works, without law works, uh, or or anything like that. But But here, you've got to remember... Uh, Abraham was, was circumcised and, and we we're all circumcised and we were linked to Abraham through circumcision and and so on. So is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? So the question is then, okay, right, if, if this forgiveness, this Faith justification is only available to Jews um, because they're circumcised. That would be explained by Abraham being uh, forgiven, Abraham being justified after he was circumcised. However, that's not the pattern. Abraham, as he was an uncircumcised man uh, from Babylonia, in effect, from Sumer. This uncircumcised man simply exercised faith in the promise of God that was given to him and God put to his account righteousness and circumcision didn't come in in chapter 15, it came in in chapter 70 afterwards. So he received a sign of circumcision as a seal for the righteousness he had by faith while he was uncircumcised. The, the, the sign was just like a A rubber stamp to show that God was working with him. Circumcision just showed that God had a relationship with Abraham. It wasn't that that made the relationship. No, no. He had already exercised faith. And you may say, well, why is that the case? Well, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So that the righteousness would so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So Abraham's seen as a kind of prototypical father here. We know that he was a father of the Jewish people physically. Uh, father according to the flesh, look at verse number one. But but here he's being spoken of in a different kind of fatherhood. This is Abraham as the great prototype of justification by faith. The 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 faithful man, the, the man who exercised faith in God and was blessed by it. And God set him up as a kind of headline example of justification by faith. And God said, well, okay, if I'm going to justify Abraham by faith, I'm going to do it before he's circumcised. And then he can be an example. He can be the prototype. He can be the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So in other words, you, you don't need to be a Jew, you don't need to be circumcised to receive this justification by faith. Not at all. In fact, the justification is just by faith. It's not. It's apart from circumcision altogether. Um, and to make him the father of the circumcised, uh, who are not merely circumcised, but who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham before he before he was circumcised. So, in other words. He's not only the, the father of all who believe without being circumcised, but also the father of those who are circumcised, but who also walk in his footsteps. So after after he was um, circumcised, Abraham still exercised this faith. We'll see that in Genesis 22. Same character of faith as seen there. Um, and so he is... A, The great prototypical father, not just for the Gentile, but also for the Jewish believer. He's the father of believers, whether Jews or Gentiles. Isn't that wonderful? So when we speak of Father Abraham, um, it's not only the national and natural Jew that can say, yes, I can trace my lineage back to Abraham. But there's a deeper, there's a spiritual connection between all believers, whether Jew or Gentile with Abraham because he was the prototypical father and a uh, blessing came through him. Prom- the promised blessing that he had uh, was was a type, was a, a figure. It was something that that pointed forward to the blessing that we would have in justification through, um, faith, by faith I should say, through the Lord Jesus. So I hope that helps. Um, looking at the diagram, it's clear that Abraham's justification was before his circumcision. And this is relevant to Paul's argument. And Abraham is the father of two groups of people. Believers who are Gentiles. All believers who are Gentiles because he was, wasn't circumcised when he exercised faith. And also Jews who are believers. Natural Jews who are circumcised who are believers because He exercised that faith not only before, but during uh, the rest of his life as well. Uh, And so he is a great example of faith to both. Of course, he's a father in other ways to the Jewish people as well, but that's another story for another day. So we've dealt with faith being apart from works, faith being apart from circumcision. Thirdly, we have faith being apart from law or the law. Look at verse number 13 to 17. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are are to be their heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, uh, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God to whom he believed, in, sorry, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Okay, so, as we quickly buzz through this section, um, we have God's covenant promise to Abraham. See Genesis 15 for this. Um, I was mentioning the different types of covenant that there are in the Old Testament, some of them. There's the shoe covenant and the salt covenant and the sacrifice covenant. The sacrifice covenant uh, was the one where someone would divide an animal and the two people of the covenant, as it were, who were making the bilateral agreement, uh, they walked through the middle between the two pieces. They walk through uh, the center, and, and basically they're saying, uh, in effect, that uh, they're staking, uh, it's a blood covenant, they're, they're staking their lives on the fact that they uh, will be faithful to the, the other person in the agreement. And if you look closely at Genesis 15, it really is will be worth reading, and um, what happens is that God tells Abraham to take several of these animals and they're all divided and, and whatnot. And, and, and Abraham eventually is brought into deep sleep by God. And, and, and it's God, uh, the symbol of God's presence, walks between the pieces, not Abraham. So God says, no, no Abraham, you're not going to be able to do with this. I am, by, I am making an oath by myself in that sense. I am, I am covenanting in a unilateral way, in an unconditional way, we might say, that I'm going to bring this blessing to you. You've exercised faith in me. I'm going to bring this blessing to you. You believe my word. And this is going to take place, Abraham. All these blessings are going to take place. And I am guaranteeing it by a covenant. And so this promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he should be heir of the world that he should be a great blesser to the world, that that God would work through his life, he would be a blesser and a blessing uh, to to the rest. It didn't come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it was just through law-keeping, people were heirs, faith wouldn't make any sense at all. You know, in faith, what you're doing, he's already dealt with this in some measure in the first section. Faith is where you open your empty hand and you take and believe God's word and you lay hold on his promise. Um, However, if we're going to introduce law-keeping, if there's any laws that you have to keep to attain this uh, promise of Abraham, it's no longer a promise and there's no longer faith involved. A promise is no longer a promise once you put a condition to it. Um, So uh, we use the illustration of, of 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 children, you know, if you promise a child something and then um, they're they're bad the day before, and you say, "Well, you're not having it." I, well, you can understand when the child said, "But you promised." They feel that you're breaking your word, and they are breaking your word, and so, so, they would have a just a just indignation, as it were. With you doing that. And and so God is just. He's righteous. And he's not going to break his word. He has made his promise. And if that promise is resting on something. in our part. Some law that we have to complete. Well it's not a promise at all. It's agreement. It's a bilateral agreement. But no. God said it's unilateral. It's a covenant promise. This blessing uh, to Abraham was a covenant promise. And this bit of it that we come into. Is a covenant promise. And so. That's why it depends on faith. So all God asks us to do is believe his promise and we get into the good of it. In order that the promise may rest on grace, God's unmerited favour, and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. So everyone that exercises faith comes into the good of this promise because Abraham exercised faith and God said, it's promised to you on that basis. So, so, when we follow the faith of our father Abraham, in that sense, we are brought into the promise. There's no, there's no laws we need to keep. There's nothing we need to continue with in order to, to gain this promise. Not at all. It's, otherwise, it wouldn't be a promise at all. Abraham, who's the father of us all, as it's written, I've made you a father of many nations. So, in other words, again, he's emphasizing to the Jew that, that this blessing is not going to be restricted to the Jews. It's not going to be restricted to the Jewish people because they have the law. The law came in hundreds of years after Abraham with Moses. It's not because the people are circumcised that they get blessed in this way. No, because circumcision came in later in Abraham's life. It's simply to the people who place their faith in the promise of God and in the character of God. They will get this promise. So this is really quite beautiful. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that don't exist. Now, that's important for what we're branching into now because he's going to look at the promise in a little bit more detail. Um, The promise of, of a seed. And of course... This is really the promise of Christ, if we take it in a certain way. is the promise also of blessing to the rest of um, his seed. So in hope, uh, verse 18 to 25, uh, we're going to look at this. Uh, faith, not so much, well, apart from sight, but also faith in God's promise. In hope he, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he'd been told, so shall your offspring be. And he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which is good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the word that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord and who was delivered who was delivered up for our offences and raised for our justification. So against all human hope, he believed in hope because he believed God's promise. Humanly speaking, he was dead, as was Sarah, you know, oh, not only had Sarah moved through her uh, years of fertility into old age until she was ninety years old, um, so, humanly speaking, she was had a dead womb, and and he was dead as to fertility was concerned too, because he was um, almost a hundred when this happened, and so he was, he was ever fully convinced of God's ability to bring life out of death. And that's a principle that he's going to run down the rest of the passage. And no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. He looked at the situation and said, this is impossible, but I believe in a God who brings life out of death. And of course, we know at the end of his life, Hebrews 11 will tell us, what when he puts Abraham on the altar later on, I should say in his life, um, he's thinking of the same principle. God's able to raise Isaac up again from the dead. But at this point, it was Isaac's birth that was in view. And and he simply believed the promise of God and grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He brought the glory to God. He said, God is worthy of my trust. And that's what everybody that trusts the Lord is doing. They're saying, in effect, I don't know you, Lord, well at this point but I know that you're worthy of my trust and I am trusting you. I'm depending on you. I'm taking your word for what it says. I'm relying on you. And that's exactly the same principle that we come into blessing on. A blessing in a God who raises the dead. A God who is trustworthy, who is able uh, this is why, it tells us, verse 22, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. He was fully convinced God was able to do. It was counted. Yeah, this wasn't Abraham just, you know, uh, yeah, I'll think about whether I believe it or not. And Yeah, okay, I'll go down the side of believe. No, no, he looked at the situation and he said, God's able, that God of glory that first revealed himself to me in Ur. That the God of glory that has, has helped me to where I'm at, I'm just going to rely entirely upon him. And that is exactly the same principle that we operate on today. It wasn't written for his sake alone, but for ours also. And it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. So he's saying, now listen, we're at a different point in time and history than Abraham. Abraham was looking forward to the promise. He was looking forward to the seed. And in the seed, eventually, well, Christ would come. He was trusting God with regard to the seed. And so we have here the God who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. We're trusting God with regard to the seed as well. The seed is Jesus our Lord, ultimately. We're trusting in a God of resurrection as well. He raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. And we're trusting in a God who has laid the basis in the death of Christ, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The difference is perspective. We are looking backward on it. As it tells us in the chapter before, in a different way, Abraham was looking forward to this. Abraham looked forward to God's power, bringing life to a barren womb. We look back on God's power, bringing life to an empty tomb. All our blessings are based on Jesus our Lord, delivered for our offences raised up for our justifying. And so as he brings us to a conclusion, we can just see a number of principles have been swirling around here. Faith, it's apart from works. There's nothing that he can do and add to it. No, it was simply the principle of works because otherwise it would be wages and not a free gift. Faith was apart from circumcision. There was no right you could add to it that that would somehow make it happen, this faith. Uh, no, no, Abraham was uncircumcised when it happened. Faith was apart from law because because if it was in some way dependent on, on a law and and we break that law then then the promise is no longer a promise and, and to be honest it wouldn't be a promise anyway because it'd have the caveat of 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 you breaking it in it. So you can't really make a this kind of promise a conditional thing no no the promise is there the promise is good the promise will come upon those who exercise faith that is the the the, the only the sole condition as it were it's been set out god's not going to add an extra law for people to break themselves on no not at all it's there for us it's apart from law Faith apart from sight, faith apart, faith in God's promise. So here's Abraham, everything's against him, and he relies on the God of resurrection. He relies on the God that he trusts implicitly, and that's the same God that we rely on when we trust the Lord Jesus as our Savior. Okay, so I hope that's helped you uh, get a handle on what's in Romans chapter 4. Remember, faith alone is the principle that brings God's righteous standing to us, nothing else. If works were involved, it wouldn't be a free gift, but a debt. If law-keeping was involved, it wouldn't be a true promise. But it is faith, so that it can be sure that it is a gift, and it is a promise of blessing, so we can be sure of that. Faith is simply believing God's word, trusting his character, and it's exhibited differently before the cross, but it's the same faith. Differently in the sense that he didn't have the same revelation, but he was still justified. That's very clear from the text. So I trust that's a blessing to you um, as we uh, consider these things together. Thank you.